Well, hello again and welcome in. Wherever you are today and wherever you're listening from, I'm so happy to have you over to feast upon God's Word together. Get your plate ready today and take a seat. It's the 44, which is Matthew 4, 4. Man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's eat. I'm your host, Jed Yancey, from the Central Church of Christ in Ocala, Florida. And I know I mentioned it in last week's episode that I uh, went out and watched the movie Sound of Freedom. And maybe you've heard something about that movie, but uh, that movie's really sparked something else besides what we talked about last week that I'd like to talk about this week. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, you talk about hard, uh, hard to watch, hard to think about, just all around hard. As the movie brings to light this situation we're in in this world where uh, the number of cases of child pornography and pedophilia, um, human trafficking, all of it is drastically, and I mean drastically, increasing at rates that are unheard of. And the movie does a really good job of individualizing the overlying issue and focuses on a particular family. A little boy and a little girl who are taken and they're sold and how this one man, Tim Ballard, a man of great faith, steps up and he goes on this mission to save these kids. And so my reason for bringing this up is not necessarily to talk about the overwhelming issues as it pertains to to children and, and to human trafficking, but to bring up this situation with Tim Ballard. And the decision that he made to risk his life, his career, uh, everything really, because he, he felt so sure that this is what he had to do, was, was go on this mission. And there's a line in the movie uh, that, that I want us to kind of center our, our thoughts around here today, uh, where he's contemplating whether or not to even go through with this mission to save these kids. And, and while in this conversation about this decision he has to make, there's this line that really hit me hard. Someone says to him, uh, Tim, when God tells you what to do, you cannot hesitate. And so it's after that that he goes. And I couldn't help myself but to think about how powerful that had to be to hear this for for this man, Tim, who on one hand has a family and kids and he's married and yet on the flip side has this thing, this mission, this opportunity to make a difference. And he did. And he still does to this day through what he's doing. And so I, I guess it's this for me. Like, I just cannot even begin to imagine having to cross that great divide many have had to face between what you know is right and what you know you need to do and the nudge from God to do it versus the comfortability of staying where I am and just existing as I always have. And I think the main reason why I bring this particular example up uh, from this movie is because it is the extreme. Like, I doubt I'm going to get the call today to risk the current life I live to go on this mission to save a kid. But you see, I would bet 
that if you stop to reflect, you could think of some opportunities on a much smaller scale to where you felt that pull to do something, uh, to take action, and, and yet we don't always, do we? Or at least I don't. So why is that? Well, it's usually because I'm good where I'm at, and I'm comfortable right over here. So what I want to ask you today for the 44 is, should that be the mindset? Should my mindset be that I live this life focusing on living the most comfortable life as possible? To remain in that space? Or should it be that as Christians, we're really good at raising our hand and not hesitating when God says the word go? Most especially when it's not comfortable. Mark chapter 16 and Matthew chapter 28 are two really good examples of uh, the many uses of the word go and get going and get moving and go into all the world uh, that we can read about in Scripture. And as you consider for just a second, probably the more well-known of those two I mentioned, Matthew chapter 28, Jesus' ascension, and it's the last thing he says to his guys. And, and while it would have been easier for them to just not go and to just hang tight and to do nothing because Jesus, our, our leader, our, our Lord, Jesus is gone, what we read is that that's not what they do. We can read how their go played out in the book of Acts and following. I think even as you point to Jesus, he exemplified this in what we can read of him going all the time from place to place. He's always on the move. He's always going and, and sometimes to the very places and the very people that most of us would shy away from or, or where there would exist some uh, some hesitations because it would be uncomfortable. And yet Jesus always went. He always said, send me. Uh, Jesus being the obvious best example of all things, but most especially this to the highest degree because of what he did at the cross, right? And leading up to that point of his death. Again, back to what I said earlier, forget Tim Ballard for a second. As you consider Jesus, can we even begin to imagine having to cross that great divide of knowing what is coming or what you need to do, the nudge from God to do it versus the comfortability of staying where I am and just existing as I always have? We get a little peek right into this great divide with Jesus through that prayer he prays, uh, you know, leading up to the cross, right? Uh, you remember it? Father, let this cup pass from me. Lord, please, if there's any other way to make this happen, please let it be. And to see all that unfold in reading, there just wasn't another way. It, it was the way that it had to be. And you know, I'll say this, thank you, Lord, that that cup didn't pass from him and that it happened exactly how God said it would happen. As right after all this happened, Peter preaches in Acts 2 and says, this man, Jesus, he's handed over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. God said, this is what I want you to do, and Jesus does it. Again, thank you, Lord, for that. Clearly, that prayer we see 
as he wanted anything other than to do what he did, to have it any other way. But God said, go. He raised his hand and he did it until it was finished. I think also in the context of this go and this, yeah, I'll raise my hand, send me and I'll go and and go until it's finished. Another uh, story that comes to mind is is of the great prophet Isaiah. Without giving you all the context in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, specifically verse 8, King Uzziah's death happens. Isaiah sees the Lord sitting on a throne and, and this angel appears to have taken away his iniquity, forgiven his sin through touching his mouth with a burning coal. And in verse 8, God asks this question, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah's response without hesitation, me, send me. I'm your guy. You know, there are so many really amazing stories in Scripture of this kind of attitude that should exist for the Christian, that is to spend far more time raising your hand than keeping it down. Far more time moving your feet than remaining stagnant. Far more time spent in the uncomfortable rather than the comfortable. And I got to tell you, just in case you didn't know, that is not easy. So what does it require? How do I do it? Well, Paul writes some about this, and for the most part, just says, guys, you've got to have the attitude that Christ had, which is what exactly? Well, he writes in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, don't be selfish. Uh, How you do this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Why? Well, that's what Jesus did. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, he says. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. You see... It requires us to remove the focus of me and mine and eliminate the idea that all of my focus goes into me and how comfortable I can make my life be. It requires humility and a great amount of humility at that. I've told you guys several times, I think, over several episodes that I taught intensive reading for many years at the middle school and the high school level. And I learned really fast being in the classroom that more times than not, students were there to fill a seat and engage as little as possible and not get out of their box much, especially in intensive reading, a place that they didn't really want to be. So when I would engage the class or ask a question, I learned Two other things really fast. Number one, not everyone would offer up an answer and raise their hand to answer uh, every ask or, or question that I gave them. And then number two, very rarely does it work out for the greater good to just continue to call on the same people to raise their hand. 
So I would always find a way to like cold call and, and have students squirm in their seats a little bit and just feel how much growth can actually happen through the feeling of uncomfortability. So yeah, as most of you seasoned teachers know, to the cold call, I would still get the occasional no response or no answer, I don't know. But as it applies to Christians today, and using the illustration I just gave you of classroom students, I think so many of us have become a little too comfortable showing up to class, and that's all we do. Surely we all feel the same pull, this same nudge to whatever it is, caring for others, acts of service, uh, you know, teaching to someone, talking to someone, or, or maybe it's really, really big things out in the world. But more times than not, just like in the classroom example I gave you, it's, it's either number one, there's an attitude to answer the call to do or to engage because I'm, I'm good where I'm at. And so, you know, I, I don't have the attitude that, that I'm going to answer that call. Or number two, it's just always the same people over and over raising their hand to do and to go. So let me keep this thing easy. Because instead of this being really hard, it should be something as Christians that is pretty easy or starts to become something that's easy. So let me put it this way. Rather than thinking about doing something huge and something that's on a a great and grand scale, like in the extreme example I gave you of Tim, uh, do something. Do anything. Just go and do. We were not meant to be the kind of people that sit in one place and do the same thing over and over and over again out of habit and out of comfort. And anytime an opportunity arises to be the difference, to be the change, to uh, to have some influence, we cower down and say, nah, I'm good. I'm fine right here. Instead, without hesitation, We should be the kind of people that are the ones saying yes when we feel that pull. I'll do it. You send me. Let me help. I'll go. Count on me. Bank on me. How can I get involved? What can I do? I hate to stab the knife in in you here, uh, right here, but a few Sundays ago, uh, we talked about the church after God's own heart actively reaching out. And we looked through a few examples of the very scary situations the early church was faced with in spreading the gospel. And in each of these moments we looked at, while they could have cowered down and could have lived in this space of comfort, they didn't. The teaching and the preaching and the reaching out and the doing incredible things only got stronger and stronger and stronger. Look at places like Acts 4, Peter and John arrested. They're told, stop preaching, stop teaching, stop healing people. And their response is, nah, no thanks. We're going to listen to God. We can't stop and we won't stop. We're going to continue to go. Acts 5, the apostles are in prison. An angel releases them. They go out. They keep teaching. They're scooped up again. They're questioned. They're told to stop. They're then beaten. And yet they go on from their rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. They kept going 
always on the move. Acts chapter 8, Stephen is martyred. He's stoned out back. People scatter. You would think the death of Stephen would be a wake-up call to these people to stop and to hesitate about what God has asked of them, but nope. Even with Saul breathing down their necks and knocking on doors, we can read that those that were scattered went about preaching and teaching the word. Like, how lucky are we that we don't face any of this? In fact, I would say we can't even relate to this. And yet, in the face of death, these we can read of in the Bible. Just like in Tim's example in the movie I brought up, they just go. They just do it because they know it's what God has asked of them. I just can't help but to consider, you know, if I was faced with this kind of stuff, if I plug myself into the book of Acts, would I hesitate? Would I still say, send me? Would I raise my hand? Would I rejoice for being beaten for his name's sake? Wow. You know, I think here's how I'd like to end today. Because if you're anything like me, we've all got that one thing that we know we need to do or probably should have done already, but we haven't. And why? Well, I'm going to take a shot in the dark here. Uh, I'm going to take a guess. And it's probably that we haven't done that thing, whatever it is for you, because it's uncomfortable and it's not easy. And so I want to suggest that just one time to either that thing you know you need to do and have put on hold or to that thing, that, that opportunity that's coming tomorrow, that you raise your hand, that you do what you know you need to do, that you raise your hand and you say, send me just once. And then again and again and again, but don't do it for you. Don't do it to say, look at what I did. Do it with the attitude of Christ. Do it with great humility because of all the ones to beat their chest and say, look at what I did. It was him, but he doesn't do that. He didn't do that. He humbled himself in obedience to God, made himself a slave. He is who we live for and he is who we should long to be like. Y'all, serious talk here. There's some bad stuff going on all around us. And I know that you know that. But the only way to combat that is to step up and to raise your hand and to do something, to do anything. Why? Well, to pull another line from this Sound of Freedom movie, the line uh, in the movie says, Evil will prevail when good people do nothing. And I got to tell you, with all the stuff going on around us, it's time for our good, God-fearing people to step up, to raise a hand, and without hesitation, say, bring it on, send me, and I'll go. As always, I want to thank you guys so much for listening. I love you, and I'll see you next week.